Hey, thanks for checking out the Eat Local Central New York podcast. Today's episode is with Chef Kyle from Kasai Ramen down in Armory Square. Who is this Italian guy from Philly? Who do you think he is making, you know, noodles, you know? Right. Uh, it's what I love to do. So, you know, how about instead of uh, us knocking each other down and, and we, we band together? Yeah. Because uh, if, if my restaurant brings more people into town, do you think they're going to come to me every time? Yeah, No, sure. they're not going to eat at my restaurant every week. I wish, I hope they do. We recorded this about two weeks ago. I've just been waiting to get it released out. I'm so excited for you to be able to hear his perspective on the food scene here in Syracuse to get his experiences and what it was like to open up uh, really one of the first dedicated, legitimate ramen shops in downtown. And just such a great guy. He's got such a positive outlook on the food scene, on other chefs and restaurants in the area, and on the growth and the future of the culinary world here in Syracuse. So I'm really excited to release it. You know, I'm somebody who I have such high hopes for the future of Syracuse and Central New York and what we do with our restaurants. We do really have some amazing restaurants, some places that we work with directly, some places that we don't work with at all. But there are so many restaurants and chefs in our area, in Syracuse and the surrounding area, all over Central New York, that are just crushing it on a daily basis. I'm so proud that we have such amazing talent. I was able to go out to the Ridge. For some reason, they asked me to be a guest judge for this throwdown uh, between Chef Phil and Chef Jason Jessmore. And, you know, the food that these two chefs sat down and put out in an hour was just astounding. To think that there's this level of creativity and talent that we have available in restaurants uh, here in Central New York is just amazing. So if you're not familiar with some of the chefs that and restaurants that we uh, have the privilege of having here in Central New York, then you know, just head over to Eat Local CNY uh, on our Instagram, on our Facebook, on our website. You can find a list of restaurants and see where we're going out to eat. But you can also just DM us there or send us an email and be more than happy to send you some recommendations. If you haven't already, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button, uh, whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like about the episodes. And shoot me an email at anthony at eatlocalcny.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at eatlocalcny. So my dad was a professional drummer. Okay. He went to Berkeley School of Music, and they they didn't really push it on me, but I just I guess it's in my blood, so yeah. I took to it right away. Hmm. So he got real serious. You know, as soon as I got serious about it, he was like, "All right, well, hmm. I'm going to teach you, but I'm also going to bring you to the teacher who taught me in New York." Yeah. So I went to Elmsford, New York, uh, every other Friday, wow. and did two hour lessons with this guy John Bach, and he was hmm. Henry Adler, Adler student, came from like the Buddy Rich school, like. Buddy Rich wrote the book with Henry Adler. Yeah. I mean, like a legendary <laughs> teacher, and he was so tough. Um, so I was ahead of yeah. like my age group. Oh, hell yeah. So I was playing in cover bands and original bands when I was 19, 18, 19 in these bars. And <clears throat> I always had, you know, I'm Italian, so you know, I, I always had the good facial hair and whatnot. So I always yeah. looked older, uh, <laughs> and I, I was getting bombed in these places. And then I'd go back That's on awesome. nights where we weren't playing, and all the bouncers would know me, all the bartenders would know me. <laughs> and it, it was, we slipped one time where it's like, uh, you know, it's like 
one of my buddies was like, yeah, he just turned 21 this week. I was like, shut up. <laughs> and I, like, that's awesome. One of the bartenders <laughs> looked at me and was like, what? <laughs> I was like, sorry. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Man. So you were a drummer? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Drummer and uh, engineer. Okay. I, lo- I loved uh I loved like producing and yeah. and songwriting and you know mm. I lived behind Pro Tools. You know, I had it yeah. on my MacBook Pro all, at all times. Yeah. I still do. Uh, I just used to love. It. So we played in a four piece band, uh-huh. but it was uh, like Deftones, Bring Me the Horizon type stuff. Okay. Um, so we our second tour, we did like a little six week, seven week tour down up and down the East Coast, mm-hmm. and we got teamed up with this band up for a couple of the shows up in like Massachusetts, Connecticut. Okay. New England area called Blame Shift, and they're okay. they're still playing. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, they've got a female singer. They're, they're awesome, uh, pop rock. Yeah. Um, I think they're starting to get a little more popular every now and then. I'll kind of check up on them. It, it, it takes years and years yeah. and years and years. Um, but they had all these backtracks. Hmm. I'm like, whoa! Like at first we're like, why are they sounding so full? Like the <laughs> harmonies. And there's only the girl singing, and then like the bassist and si- guitarist would sing here and there. But you're like, I'm hearing like eight voices. Like what the <laughs> frig is going on here? Yeah. And it's like keyboards and shit. I'm like, what is huh. this? What the frig is going on? Yeah. So we're watching, we're watching, we're watching, and I'm seeing the drummer for. Uh, or the, I think it was I think it was a drummer. It might have been the the bassist. One of them I can't remember. It was so long ago, and those years were a little <laughs> fuzzy for obvious reasons. But they uh, they were controlling a MacBook Pro, and I'm like, they're freaking playing backtracks. <laughs> yeah. So immediately, because we used to yeah. travel with our stuff, because I would work on our EPs, and okay. while we're on the road, I would sit there and mix them down. I had a little M box, you know, hooked up. I put my headphones on. I'd start mixing down demos. We would record every practice because I had a Pro Tool rig in our in our uh, in our uh, in our practice space. So I would record all our practices. So we'd we'd constantly be working, constantly trying to get better. Mm. And even when you know you're stuck in a car yeah. or a truck, you might as well be working because what else are you gonna do? Right. Sleep or you know, <laughs> too usually too wired from all the energy drinks to sleep. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I started taking all our studio tracks that so we used to go record at the studio yeah. and uh, I would, I would bring my hard drive to every studio session. Mm. So I would start taking all the main tracks out. Mm. So I would take the drums out, the main guitar out, uh, you know, bass, main vocals, we'd take them out and then mm. we'd start uh, messing with all the back tracks. So instead of having them back, we'd mix it for live cause it's mixed for yeah. studio. So maybe the keyboards are down a little, right. maybe we re- would rewrite a part or add some like intros. Yeah. So when we would start our set, I, I had a six channel, um, <clears throat> Yamaha or 12 channel Yamaha mixer to the left of my hi-hat mm. and with a little stand and it would have my MacBook Pro on it yeah. and then we got really smart when iPhone started getting better. So like iPhone four came out mm-hmm. and we would just, I would bounce down track of our whole live show on right. a, on my phone. <laughs> so I just, I go here and I hit, I just have my phone hooked up to the mixer and just hit play. That's and I would awesome. run all the sound all for our in-ear monitors and to the house engineers used to be like, Oh, you're not doing that. I'm like, no, I'm doing our stage mix. Like <laughs> there is no, you can, or we aren't, or I'm like, everything goes into my board and then you can get my feed out. And I'm like, well, you're a drummer. I'm like, I'm also an engineer. Like, you know, <laughs> leave me be, you know, That's awesome. sometimes they were cool about it, but most yeah. of the time, you know how the, yeah, for sure. Oh, it's my house. I'm oh, doing yeah, it. I'm like, man. No, I'm doing it actually. Yeah. We would have intros in our shows, segues yeah. in between songs, in the beginning, like middle of songs, you know, it was really, really pretty neat. I mean, it was a full production show, lights and everything. Yeah, I was super <clears> fortunate <throat> because the first job that I ever had doing it was that dude in Cincinnati is he let me like the first night mix, you know, which was, as you know, super rare. 
and I'll never forget our first, like we were in some class, I forget the engineer's name, but he was the guy that engineered, um, like for Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Wow. And he was a student of the school and he came and like did a lecture and he was saying for like the first two years that he worked or five years, whatever it was, he just filled coffee and emptied ashtrays, you know, and before he ever got to touch anything. Uh, Wrap cables. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I used to hate doing that. Oh my God. (laughs) The, the, uh, SL board there, it freaking the snakes for it were just, it was like geometry. Yeah. Yeah. Or trigonometry trying to figure out where all these patches go, you know, and they're like, Kyle, you messed up one of the snakes. Like, it's like 64 jacks, you yeah. know, like shit, you know, because all the different rooms and everything. It was just, oh yeah. man. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's another one. It's a lot like cooking yeah. that, that business. It really is. Yeah, man. You know, I was, I had my first sous chef job in Philly and I worked at eight, eight on, I had another job where I worked for $8 an hour because I want to learn from that chef. Yeah. You know, so they, they, I took a job. Well, they told me it was going to be, what did they tell me? It was going to be nine something at yeah. that. And then I got my first check and it was eight. It was like eight fourteen before taxes, and then taxes were taken out. And I'm like, wow, this is bad. Like, I'm I'm a sous chef, and I'm like, but I wanted to learn from this guy. Turns out he was uh, he wasn't there as much as I thought he was going to be. Oh, so right. I, I left that job pretty quickly. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that's how it is, you know. So how do you make the leap from music into food? Well, I was pretty straightforward, really, because food jobs were the only jobs that could ever yeah. put up with me leaving for a couple months at a time or like, Hey, I have to leave for seven weeks. Am I still going to have my job? No. All right. I'll just go work at the restaurant down the street because Philadelphia is a big city, you know, right. you could, but I, I was lucky enough where I found, um, this one restaurant that I, you know, gave me my first shot being a sous chef. Mm-hmm. I actually went to high school with the chef. It was wild. I didn't even know. I went in for an interview, met the owner, owner liked me, um, liked my resume. And then she's like, Oh, let me go get chef Steve and you, you can talk to him and you know, we'll get you. If he likes you, we'll get you started right away. You can start, yeah. you know, immediately. Hmm. I was like, oh, great. Because I'd just come back from tour. I was super broke, facing, staring homelessness right down in its eye, you know? I yeah. mean, that's, I mean, you've been around it, you know, that yeah. that's that's what it is. Um, you know, there were times where I had to, I had to choose, all right, do I buy dog food for my dog at the time or do I eat? And of course I was pick dog food but i mean i was, I was skinny yeah. uh, <laughs> so the chef walks out and it's my buddy steve from high school I, was oh, like, wow. I hadn't seen him since high school you know i was like holy cow like get <laughs> out of awesome. here yeah so he took me under his wing and showed me a lot um hmm. and then when i was ready to i was ready to i was getting ready to stop touring and, and quit the music thing you know just the dynamics in the band weren't really good anymore I was just really tired of being so broke, which didn't really change much once getting into the ground level of restaurant. At least there was some money coming right. in. Uh, and so, you're around food. Yeah, and food, <laughs> more, most importantly. Um, so they are. They said, you know, we'll give you this pay hike, this title, and you got to stop touring, though. I was like, all right, all right, done. They're like, oh, that quick? I'm like, yep, <laughs> deal. <laughs> I'll never forget it. it was, and then, uh, you know, I always been around restaurants yeah. uh, my family my uh my nanny my, my grandma she okay. her family is owns restaurants and always been around them my uncle had a deli um you know i was just always around it and yeah. my first job paying job i was 12 years old i was a busboy at a fine dining italian restaurant in my town in pennsylvania so where are you from originally i was born in irvington new york okay um so it's westchester new york right on the hudson yeah. river 
Uh, then my father opened a company in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Uh, he started his own uh, general contracting job. He, he got a job doing cabinets and workstations for a whole entire hospital. He got the contract for that. So he so he moved us there. Uh, his sister lived there. I knew it was a really nice neighborhood. It was an up-and-coming, like, it used yeah. to be all farm fields. And now it's a, it's a super vibrant, bump, booming little town. Hmm. Well, it's not even little anymore. They actually have two high schools split. You know, oh, I, I wow. walked with like 1,500 kids. It was, okay. it's a big area, but not when we first moved there. Um, so I, I, you know, it's, I'd say, everybody says I'm a Philly kid, but I, you know, New York sport team still. <laughs> uh, but, and then I lived in Philadelphia for about eight years okay. in the actual city before I met my wife and uh, came up here. So is she from Syracuse? Yeah, yeah. My wife was uh, born and raised in Syracuse. Uh, she was in uh, getting her uh, RN license in uh, or degree in uh, at Drexel. So I met her. I would, uh, Philly's an expensive city, and, yeah. you know, as all the big ones are. So I would not only work as a chef, but I would bartend as well. Um, so everywhere, anywhere I worked in the kitchen, I always tried to work at the bar as well. Mm-hmm. And then if I couldn't, I would just go find another bar job. Yeah. So I met her bartending, actually, nice. oddly enough. <laughs> and you made your way to Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, um, she, We were going to try staying in Philly for a couple of years um, when she finished school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were some... Um, her aunt was sick and uh gotcha. she wanted to be close she's real tight with her family so yeah. between uh medical issues with her aunt and then uh you know just missing her family in general she she yeah. said uh hey you know i don't think i can stay here you know i totally understand if if you if you don't want to come to syracuse <laughs> but you know would you at least you know check it out you know at first i was like darn like man i don't know if i want to leave philly but also i don't mind leaving philly I don't know anything about Syracuse except yeah. that I hear their winners are bad. And she, <laughs> she totally lied. She totally lied to me about that. She tricked me. That's like my parents did the same thing to me. She tricked me. Yeah. Oh, it's not that bad. And then I'm up here in my first winter. I'm like, what is this? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, here I am. Yeah. No, I, I, I knew in, right away that I, I wasn't letting her go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's I knew awesome. I was, I was moving. So we started planning a moving, and I, I came up here that summer. So how long have you been in Syracuse? Uh, this year, uh, seven years now. Yeah. Okay. No, I, wait, 2012. Yeah, six years. So this coming up year will be my seventh year. So what are you doing before you're opening up a ramen shop? <laughs> uh, directly before I was the executive sous chef at the On Center okay. uh, for three years. Um, so I worked with the executive chef there and the food and beverage director and the banquet directors and some of the banquet people. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much running the food and beverage program. Okay. Um, you know, the, we, we all... Play, you know, pretty much worked as a team and, mm-hmm. and ran. There's a lot to do there. Yeah, uh, sure. You have the food of the War Memorial, the mm-hmm. concessions of all the events, mm-hmm. all the catering events. It's it's a daunting job. Yeah. It's a it's a big operation. Plus, they do a ton of weddings, don't they? Yeah, yeah, pretty good amount of weddings. Yep. Yeah. yeah, my first year there actually was when they got weddings back or right before they got I started, they got weddings back. They weren't doing weddings for, for quite a amount of time. Okay. Uh, and then SMG took over, and then they... Uh, they started bringing back weddings. And yeah. uh, before that, I was a chef at the River Grill in okay. Baldwinsville for a short amount of time. Um, <clears throat> and then before that, I was at Nesco's in North Syracuse. Okay. So that, that was my first job. Um, I interviewed for it. He uh, offered me the job on the spot, and uh, that and I came right up. I was here maybe, I think they held on some a job for me for like five weeks. Okay. It took me like five weeks to get, to get out of Philly. You know, I had to get out of my lease and... You know, which was cool. They let me sublet it. You know, just find somebody to take over the rent. Nice. It wasn't too hard. Um, and then uh, bought a car and got on up here. <laughs> you don't need a car in Philadelphia. Why ramen? Uh, multitude of reasons. Um, the food is incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, people 
Yeah, it's funny you hear it all the time. Oh, the packets, the packets. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like sure. you know, I, yeah. I tell people all the time when they don't have any understanding of it. Um, think of your favorite burger. You know, put yeah. that put that in your mind. Best yeah. hamburger you ever had in your life, and then compare it to a fast food burger or a frozen burger out of the you know frozen food section. Mm-hmm. You know, that, there's your comparison. Um, but when I when I first had ramen, I honestly the first time I had it, I, I did not like it. Um, I think people think that you're gonna get punched with that. You know, the packet, a ton of flavor, and it's overwhelming, and it's bombarding your mouth with salt, and it's just, you know, it hammers you with, with flavor, not in a good way, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, no, you know, and I've eaten a million of those things. My wife still loves them, too. Uh, but um, just the complexity and the and the passion for the food that is inherent in, in Japanese um, cuisine. Yeah. It's just, you know, the respect for the flavors and the ingredients and the complexity of everything. You know, it's, it's hard. It's really, really difficult. Oh, 100%. Um, and I, I like a challenge. I can't, I can't sit pat. Yeah. You know, I, when I was in coming up in Philadelphia, I'd bounce around restaurants like crazy just cause like I could not, you know, get bored, uh, yeah. for lack of better words, you know, just try and be a sponge and all right, I want to learn, um, traditional Mexican or I want to learn Guatemalan like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Or I want to learn, uh, you know, Italian. So I bounced around a bunch of Italian restaurants and also it's my upbringing. So it wasn't too difficult, but, um, I wanted to learn like, you know, n- traditional Northern cuisine, traditional Southern cuisine. I wanted to learn American, uh, you know, barbecue. I want you know, it's, I, 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 I get compulsive. I go down rabbit holes really fast. <laughs> uh, so, you know, after that first experience of ramen, I was just like, man, I, I did not really, I, I, I crushed the bowl, but I, I really, <laughs> it was weird. The dashi was weird. The tare was weird. I just, I didn't really appreciate it. I didn't really know. And, um, like two days later I found myself like, man, I need another bowl of ramen. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a second. Like, that's weird because I didn't really like that. Or I thought I didn't like it. You know, it just, it wasn't what I expected. And we, we, we see it all the time at the restaurant. It happens a lot where people are like, oh, it's not really what I expected. And then I'll see them a couple of days later and like, what happened? (laughs) It wasn't what I expected, but I found myself like really wanting it over these last two days. Yeah, for sure. And And that, and it's just, um, Another reason why, too, is, uh, of course, I've always wanted a restaurant. It's always been my dream. Um, but I, I saw a need, too. You know, yeah. I, saw, I saw a hole in the market. Mm-hmm. And um, especially when I saw that beautiful space that we have, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it was just like, this is it. My first, I've only played one show because I play guitar and a couple instruments. So back in the day, the one show that I ever played out live in any bar or restaurant was In Your Space. No kidding. It was called Opus at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I had responded to some like Craigslist. I was like at my brother's place down just outside. He lives in Nyack or lived in Nyack. And I was down there visiting and he's a musician. And uh, I was like, yeah, I should start playing out when I get back. So I like jumped on Craigslist while I was there. And they had posted some, made some posts that said musicians. I wrote them, showed up, I got back, I showed up for like the audition and uh, I thinking I was going to audition and I just walked in with my guitar and like in like morning when, it, you know, I had a meeting with him and he's like, so what do you play? I was like, oh, a little bit of Jack Johnson and Dave Matthews. He's like, all right, sweet Friday at seven, you know, <laughs> and I was like, you Uh-oh. don't want to hear me play. It's like, it could suck. <laughs> but their stage was on that little raised spot, you yeah. know, and uh so I showed up and played for like two hours straight by myself, no set breaks or anything like that. And I think there was like five people there up at the bar. Oh boy, <laughs> you know? that's nerve wracking though. Yeah. Two hours just you and a guitar. That's a that's a lonely feeling. Oh, for sure, man. I just didn't know to stop. You know, I just started playing. 
but I think it cost me like 20 bucks because I paid for parking and I bought three <laughs> beers that were I had like a Labatt that was like $5 a pop. The yeah. old school pay to play. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've yeah. been to many of those gigs where you, you don't make any money and you, you spend a good amount on booze. Yeah, but that, I mean, the spot you've got, dude, it's just, it's one of the most uh, beautiful restaurants just for the layout and, yeah. you know, the inside of it, just that raw feeling. It's of it. so intimate. It's just yeah. so, we are, we are so lucky that we were, uh, that we were chosen for the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, there were, there were some other restaurants or themes that were trying to get in there and, uh, yeah. just, uh, myself and the landlord really hit it off. And then mm-hmm. my family and the landlord's family as well, the owner of the building, uh, okay. we really hit it off and we always joke around. We're kind of like, I'm like, they're, they're, son from another nice. family you know yeah. uh we do have that kind of relationship it's really nice that's awesome I'm lucky yeah it's yeah. uh just a very cool place and you know he's invested in my long-term success and mm. i'm invested in uh not failing <laughs> 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 i don't have quit in yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> so what were some of the challenges i mean i know i mean obviously money is like the one of the biggest things yeah right and then you know that just all the logistics of especially in that space i can't mm-hmm. imagine but I mean, what are some of the challenges you had to get to get up there? I mean, you name it. Uh, construction was a was challenging to finish up. Um, you know, the space was empty for a long time, mm-hmm. but he, they weren't working on it full time. Um, yeah. He has a, a couple other companies, um, you know, where he was putting his time and, and effort into that while that was vacant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we signed the lease a lot faster than we were expected yeah. uh, again. Cause we, we hit it off. There were no challenges. There was no, yeah. Hey, I'm not doing this or, you know, months long of negotiation. Mm. I mean, we, we had two face to face meetings and then our real estate brokers and lawyers mm. worked out the rest of it. And it was simple. Like, Hey, yeah. they want this. Do you agree to it? Yep. I want this. Do they agree to it? Yep. And done. It was wow. done like in a matter of weeks. Yeah. And for a portion of it, he was out of, out of the country too. Mm. Um, actually when we did come to terms, he was out of the country. We had to wow. wait a week, which was like nerve wracking <laughs> to me. You know, my wife's getting ready to give birth to our baby and I'm trying to get this building locked down before we have the baby so that yeah. it's, you know, I can move forward with that planning. Mm. Uh, I just left my job at the on center and I was like, all right, let, you know, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. I don't no, I no longer have a job. I, you know, yeah. my investors lined up and ready to go, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't technically have a restaurant space. This is nuts. What am I doing? And then, you know, you have like, it's funny. I, you know, I've heard other restaurant owners talk about it in podcasts and, and thing. And it's like, you turn into like a maniac almost. Cause it's just, mm. there's the ups and downs are just crazy. Yeah. You know, so we, we get in the building constructions delayed. Of course. I mean, it just always happens. For sure. I mean, it's, there, there was a lot to do. They were incredible about doing it. They're great craftsmen. Uh, uh, the owners and his family, his two sons and his wife worked on the building along with myself. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, but then the real challenges started. Yeah. So we go to close out building and zoning gets a hold of us. <laughs> There's a seven week delay. Jeez. And that seven week delay delays the certificate of use. So then you can't apply for your liquor license. And then that <laughs> delay and then this delay and then that. I mean, just it was just nonstop. And yeah. then don't even get me going on banks because they're, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard it from ma- many owners. Oh, for sure, man. Uh, they just avoid restaurants like the plague and especially yeah. a guy under 40 for his first time. Yeah. You know, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, it's nuts because I, you know, it's, yeah, I won't get into all the details, but it's just, it's, it's a challenge. There's every, when you ask yeah. what have some of the hurdles been, it's, it's everything. Uh, even the food, uh, you know, I've been working on this menu for five years. Wow. Um, and then, you know, like, uh, something that, that tripped me up with ramen is, 
Um, so let's use a simple example, uh, lasagna. Mm-hmm. You're making lasagna for five people. The recipe doesn't change for 500 people, right? 5,000 people. Yeah. You know, when I was at the on center, here's, here's a, here's a creme brulee recipe mm-hmm. and you just scale it to what right. you need. Okay. We have to feed 3000 people today. So I'm making 3000 creme brulees. Yeah. Same recipe, just right. larger quantity. Yeah. Uh, ramen, not so much. Hmm. Uh, when you start getting into bone densities and, and mm-hmm. cooking times and, and durations, it, it threw me for a loop hmm. quickly. Luckily yeah. we found it in the, in the, I, we, I knew smart enough not to just open. Yeah, you know, I knew enough sure. to. I've been a part of enough restaurants where you just you just don't open. Yeah, I think that's gonna be nonstop problems. Right. You know, sitting back and kind of watching what restaurants do from afar. I've admired two restaurants. I'm not saying it just because you're here, but two of them, two food businesses that I think just did it right are Paul over at Glazed because they spent, you know, what? Forgive me, Paul, if you're you're never going to listen to this, but a year or two. <laughs> Paul, does, Paul Valenti does not have time to listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. That, right. Uh, but I think he it was like a year or two of just doing festivals. Yep. And it's brilliant because they can build that Instagram following. They can build the anticipation for it. It's a just a great way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah. And then you. I mean, you guys did like in a year's worth of pop-up events before yeah. the doors were ever open and that wasn't even our intention either yeah i wanted to you know we wanted to build anticipation you know really the first one we did at now and later um yeah. you know jason helped me out so much letting me do it there because that was a challenge trying to find somebody to be like hey or a spot that i could even do it in that fit yeah you know and there aren't many places that are willing to have this chef come in and right take over their restaurant for the night oh, or, for sure. or their bar or, or anything but you know Jason was like, yep, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) I tried to warn him what was coming. He he didn't listen. But, uh, uh, you know, I I use that as a market test. You know, let's see if everybody's screaming about, you know, where's the ramen. Or they didn't really at that. I hadn't heard it much at that point. I just noticed a huge hole. Yeah. You know, there's places where you can get good ramen in the city, sure. But is there somebody that just giving it the respect that it deserves? Um, You know, you can't... I want to be careful because I don't want to say anything <laughs> bad about anybody, but you can't just toss it on your menu. It's not a chicken parm. It's not, and I'm right. not saying anything bad about chicken parm. I'm not trying yeah. to be on a high horse. Right. Um, I think, you know, uh, we have a saying in the restaurant and it's actually came, comes from another tie into the beautiful spaces. Mm. Conversation loops nicely. Yeah. here. But, uh, um, with the artist that is displayed in there now, mm-hmm. um, he has a painting in there and it says this machine knows not of pride. Yeah. And it's something that I've talked to, beaten into my two chefs uh, mm-hmm. uh dave mondor is my chef d mm-hmm. and ryan barrett's my sous chef two okay. awesome chefs i couldn't be happier or luckier to have these guys in my yeah. kitchen mm-hmm. um especially you know it's you're lucky sometimes if you can get one solid chef oh, yeah. and you know i think we have a, a three of us are pretty darn solid yeah i'm really lucky um and they're young too and they're mm-hmm. just sponges um it's a ton of talent as well but um you know, trying to teach my philosophy in my way, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan comes from the turning stone, Dave from lemongrass and yeah. a plethora of other really nice restaurants and each, everybody has their own, you know, culture and, and it's a big part of your success in a restaurant too, I think. But, uh, it's, you know, just keep your head down, trying to keep getting better. And it's not ego. It's not about ego. And, uh, I think that's, you know, when you see something as difficult as ramen, which seems simple, yeah, um, not, yeah, not in the slightest, but it, it's not, and you, you really, I can't imagine just having it on the menu as like yeah. a, as an as an item. You know, right. It's it's just, 
I don't yeah. think you're doing it. It's, it's due justice. I had gone to some restaurant on Erie Boulevard and with Mark from MJQ's Foodie or whatever his mm-hmm. handle is. Mark, I don't think you're listening either, but sorry if I butchered that. <laughs> and uh, we went, it was the first time we ever met in person. And he said, I'm trying to get ramen. Where should we go? And I think I picked this place just because they had it. Right. And this was, you know, two years ago. But yeah, it was just, it was not a good bowl of ramen. And of course, I had just come <laughs> off seeing. Uh, Ivan Orkin's episode of, you know, chef's table. So yeah. I was an expert at ramen <laughs> when we went there <laughs> after those 25 minutes. So funny. You just said that. Cause we, we, it's another thing we always say in the restaurant boy for someone a city that's never had a ramen restaurant. There are a lot of ramen re- experts <laughs> oh, in the yeah, city man. all of a sudden. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's telling you you need more soy sauce and you need more salt. And I was like, Oh God. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it really, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the one thing I love about you opening up is that it is elevating the game here in the city. I think uh, I think it's getting better and better. Um, again, I'm tread carefully because um, don't ever want to come off like we're better than anybody. Or yeah. I mean, we're just right. I'm just doing what I love to do. I'm doing what my dream is. Um, it really doesn't care. I don't really. Yeah. I don't mean it to sound callous either, but I don't. Yeah. I really don't care what's going on out there. Yeah. I really don't. I want to put my head down and and make sure that I provide for my family. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if this chef's saying something bad about us or if this person, mm. I, I could care less, <laughs> you know, we hear all the time, Oh, this person said this. I don't give a crap. <laughs> you know, is that guy paying for my son's food or right. my house or, yeah. you know, is he paying my mortgage or my lease payments? You know, no. And, yeah. uh, you know, also proofs in the pudding too. You know, yeah. you look at, you know, are people coming to your restaurant? That's a litmus test. Um, you know, and I think we've been uh, incredibly fortunate so far. It's only been three months, but uh, just our reception has been, I, I can't believe it. It's yeah. just, uh, you know, our pop-ups went exceptionally well, but yeah. I ever thought they would. And, uh, you know, we had some hiccups, of course, going into the restaurant, learning the space, uh, learning the menu. Um, you know, we got people who I've never run a ramen shop before. <laughs> you know, and neither is my general manager, Tom. I mean, yeah. We've run restaurants. I've run plenty of kitchens. I run multi-million dollar food operation. But until you're in there doing it, you know, I think I still don't think we're anywhere near our potential. Uh, we're working on our new menu now. Um, should be hitting in the we were, I was going to be a psycho and drop it during dining weeks. Uh, but then qu- I quickly changed that tune after like three days of dining weeks. I was like, okay, we're getting our faces kicked in right now. Really? I am not dropping a new That's menu. Awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. Dining weeks has been amazing. It's yeah. just been, wow. Uh, it's amazing but, how cuss, because you know, we, I did the promotion for Beville dining weeks. It's mm-hmm. amazing. People flock for yeah. that stuff. And it's funny because, uh, I know it's not the case with a lot of restaurants, but you can, you can come into our restaurant and eat for under $30 a person. So what's happening is is they got drawn in with dining weeks mm-hmm. and they're realizing I can sort off the regular menu, <laughs> get an appetizer, a beer, and a bowl of ramen and be under $30. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. Which is crazy because we still get it's too expensive. Like, really? What? Like, oh, yeah. you're here all the time. I mean, not all the time. Yeah. You just, you just, you know, here and there. Oh, well, it's, sure. it's a bit pricey, don't you think? You know, I, I, or some spaghetti. We have one kind, yeah, yeah, right. You know, handmade. You know, sixty-two hour broths. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like, come on, yeah, <laughs> like awesome. we make all the pastes. You know, yeah. like, we make all the like. I'm not buying anything. You know, yeah. there's two items that aren't made in house on the menu. You know, wow. everything's made in house. All the sauces are made in house. Everything's made in house, and it's going to be only one item that isn't made in house <laughs> once my machine comes in from Japan. <laughs> so you know, it's it's. It's That's funny, awesome. but it ties into what you were saying about the the scene where you have yeah. these 
um, people that are happy with mediocrity. And, uh, and I don't think that's just restaurant business. That's no, all not. walks of life. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I think as an employer and as a chef, that's something I've been battling since I became a chef yeah. is that the, you have these guys and they're just happy where they are, happy mm-hmm. being a line cook, happy being a server. Yeah. And, um, we kind of train people and hire people based on the saying where if you're not training your replacement, you will be replaced. Hmm. Um, so like, you know, I tell my chefs all the time, why can't this guy prep this properly? Yeah. You know, why aren't you, if, Hmm. if you break your foot, who's going to step up and take your place? Yeah. And if you're not training that person, you're going to, you're going to be let go. And that's uh, something I picked up. It's always been a, a, a common theme in restaurants and chefs I worked for, but, uh, the general manager and assistant general manager at, at the on center kind of, mm-hmm. that was like their thing that I, I really picked up from them. Yeah. Uh, you know, is is just, if you're not training your replacement, you're, you're going to mm-hmm. be replaced. Yeah. Like, don't mm-hmm. worry about somebody taking your spot because, and that ties in with the, just being happy and mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand it, you know, and, yeah. and anything I do, you know, we were talking earlier about the rabbit holes going down, having mm-hmm. to learn everything and like, you know, people, yeah. have you been to Japan or have you been to, you know, how did you learn how to cook this? Or, mm. I mean, we're lucky enough in this day and age, there's cookbooks, there's YouTube, yeah. there's uh, New York City, Philadelphia, all these, you have all these resources on and all these things to get better. Yeah. Why don't you? You know what I mean? Why are why are we happy cooking the same old, um, and I'm not knocking it again, it's just an example. Uh, why are we happy cooking the same old um, Italian-American food? Why are yeah. we happy, you know, just opening up another subpar sub shop? Or, mm-hmm. you know, why? Yeah. You know, you, you, and you say it's because they just want money. They just, you know, well, people just yeah. want, they care about the paycheck coming in. But the, there's a direct correlation to trying to be the best <laughs> you can be and making more money, in my yeah. opinion. You know yeah, I mean? for sure. It's, now, do all the best chefs always make the best business operators? No, and there's a whole lot more that goes into it. But I think if you approach life and business, whereas you're just trying to get better every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, look look at Cody. Look at guys you know, like that. You know, oh, they yeah, constantly sure. want to learn. Uh, you know, Anthony, you know, these guys locally – um, you know, Josh at three one five. You know, some of the other breweries downtown, IBU, uh, Buried Acorn, all these business owners. These guys are pushing, man, and yeah. they're pushing each other. And I think why our restaurant to tie this right back together again. Uh, <laughs> it's just, conversation flowing nice. <laughs> uh, um, why I think the you're like you mentioned, it's getting better. Yeah. I think there's guys like uh, myself and Cody and all that. Instead of going behind each other's back and knocking down each other's businesses, we're trying to elevate each other's game. You know, so we're not saying, "Oh, f- fucking Kyle, he thinks he's this Japanese sorcerer <laughs> or some shit." You know, who is this Italian guy from Philly? Who do you think he is making you know noodles? You know, right? Uh, it's what I love to do. So you know. How about instead of us knocking each other down and, and we, we band together? Yeah. Because uh, if, if my restaurant brings more people into town, do you think they're going to come to me every time? Yeah, No, for sure. they're not going to eat at my restaurant every week. I wish, I hope they do. <laughs> and ramen is that addicting to where yeah. you do want it multiple times in a week. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but no, they might go check out Defeat or they might go yeah. check out the hop spot. Or maybe they can't find parking right in front of our restaurant, so they 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 pass by one of our neighbors and like, oh, next time, yeah, they're coming to me that night, but next time maybe they're going to that. Yeah. And, and I think it's there's more of that. When I was in Philadelphia, there's more of that. Yeah, I I didn't ever really see like the like there's always friendly competition. Yeah, chefs. for sure. I mean, it's an ego driven business, and mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of big personalities and a lot of this and that. But I never, you know, I've never come to 
been of the mindset where, you know, I want that guy to fail. Are you yeah. kidding me? There's, right. there's families behind these restaurant owners and chefs. Yes, there's, exactly. you know, I mean, I have an eight month old son. You really want me to <laughs> fail and like, you know, put my family in jeopardy, you know, like, what are you saying? Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I'm driven by competition to a, a certain degree. Uh, you know, when I first started eat local CMY, there was like three Instagram accounts out there that did food that were in Syracuse and three years later, there's, you know, 50 of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm always constantly looking at some of the, you know, other profiles and seeing what they're putting out and how often and saying, am I beating them? Right. And even, you know, it's funny if, if I see somebody putting out a bunch of content that I'm not putting out or I'm not putting out as much. I'm working hard to try and get stuff together to put it out. And if I don't see them putting stuff out, I'm saying to myself, they're not putting out content because they're probably working for somebody else, making money, doing content for them. So then I work twice as hard. Mm -hmm. And I think you do have to have that, but it is, it's a, it is pretty interesting to hear. Like I had Cody on the podcast and he's talking about hanging out with you and getting that miso for his you yeah. know, desserts. Yeah. You know, so you still have that, uh, you know, appreciation for each other. Yeah. He brings me by, you know, he'll work on a stock and he'd be like, Hey, I think this might be really cool for Kevin. Let me know what you think. You yeah. know, and he drops me off a little <laughs> court container of stock. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, that's, that's, that's what I love about the community. And, uh, you know, I, we had like a little tight knit, um, group that I was a part of in Philadelphia, you know, mm -hmm. all, all chef guys. And I haven't seen as much of that here. And, uh, I yeah. hope, I hope we, we can keep growing to build that you know keep, yeah we should work as a team everybody elevate each other yeah you know, believe me i want to be the best yeah it drives me day and night i can't sleep at nights because i i want to be the best chef mm -hmm. i want to be but it's not i don't want to do it uh, by stepping on the backs of others i right. want it it's just a personal thing yeah you know? like sure. it's it's a I, you know I don't look at like Cody's posts and be like, oh man, I got to do something better than that. Like, no, it's not that at all. So it's that, just, that I want it. With the I look at Cody's. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I look at Cody's chef. and like, damn, that's hot. And yeah. then like, then I, you know, maybe something, one of his ingredients, a little spark, a thought in my head that yeah. I could, you know, that's of course we want to be the best. We yeah. all always want to be the best for sure. But, uh, I don't want to do it to sacrifice other people. Yeah. You know, right. It's just, yeah. it's gotta be a self-driven thing. Uh, you know, I can, I always tell my, tell, tell my guys, it's just, just, uh, be your own worst critic. You know, yeah. That's when people always ask, you know, what do you think about Yelp or what do you think about Google? I don't think anything about it. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you can learn some from some of it maybe, yeah. uh, possibly here and there, you know, but, uh, I think really you have to be your, your, your toughest critic and that's how you'd. I mean, the, the really successful restaurants that I've worked for that have been open 10, 12 years plus mm -hmm. uh they're brutally hard on on themselves and and on their staffs yeah. you know which i don't you know that's more old school you know i've worked for guys that were just <laughs> you know uh it's funny because sometimes i get accused of being a bit of a, a hard ass or really? this and that yeah and it's Are like you yelling in the kitchen oh sometimes i mean yeah, yeah. it's a, you know you're there's weeks where i'm putting in 100 hours and i got a eight-month-old yeah, baby who sleeps t till only till like 5 a.m so <laughs> yeah I'll work 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. and then he's up at 5:30 and I've got two hours of sleep and then I'm back in it. You know, uh, dude, what's with the hours? I mean, are you, you're you're the only one that's open that late, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to. Well, you have Nick's and and some other places down yeah. there that are open late. I want to build something that's, uh, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights, just a different a different option. Yeah, I like um, that. I think it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. I don't. Th I didn't 
coming thinking, oh, there's going to be a line out the door right away. Um, I think I have to work on the menus that we're offering as well, uh, kind of change them up a bit from what our normal stuff is. Yeah. But again, it's just learning, uh, you know, and it may not work, uh, but I, I think it will. I think, uh, you know, it'll be a nice spot for industry workers. Um, you know, we can't serve alcohol to three, but the food to three. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's been hit or miss so far, uh, but overall reception has been great that, you know, we keep Grubhub going as late as they'll deliver our food. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, we were we were having drivers come in at one thirty in the morning last night, you know, wow. picking up stuff. Um, but you know, it's, and our, our weekday hours are normal, but yeah. uh, that doesn't mean Ryan and I, or Dave and I, or Tom and I won't be in there. All four of us, you know, yeah. working on the new menu, working on to get better. It's, it's, uh, hmm. it's been pretty busy. So it's, it, you know, there's nights where hmm. we don't have time to play during the day, you yeah. know, a recipe test. So we'll, <laughs> we'll stay later in the night. And as much as none of us want to, you know, uh, Tom and I have kids. So does Ryan. Uh, Dave, you know, has dogs and we all have a life outside of it, but, uh, mm-hmm. our, the four of us are really, um, mm-hmm. our main focus is making sure that we're the best we can be for every diner. We're, you know, we're, in, you're in this business for three things. Mm-hmm. One, it's a job. Yeah. Most importantly, you want, we want to support our families. I want to support the 30 employees I have, mm-hmm. you know, and their families. We have mm-hmm. a lot of single parents. We have some uh, special needs employees, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I want to give back to the community at some point, you know, I want to keep being successful and keep growing my brand um two you i mean and i think this is the main reason uh the ability to to make somebody happy with food is intoxicating Mm -hmm. um just to you know change up somebody's day you know uh or you know um bring somebody into a ramen restaurant that's never had it before and see their eyes light up when they take that first bite Mm -hmm. you know we have we have a lot of people that have never had it so especially around here and like we're like we've already said, especially good stuff, you know, mm-hmm. quality ramen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's really something. I mean, I'm sure you get this a lot, and you already know this, but it's something that's needed here in the you know in the city. Yeah, um, I think the more diverse food we can get, you know, like yeah. what, what you know, a lot of what's going down in downtown, and even out in some of the spots in the burbs. We yeah. need diversity brings uh, vibrance, you oh, know, yeah. uh, in all parts. And I also think what's nice too is now you're starting to see. Like in our building, we have the uh, rotating art shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now starting music. Yeah. Uh, last night we had our first uh, nice. live music. Yeah. Uh, tonight we're having a, a solo jazz guitarist. Oh, sweet. Um, you know, I think you're starting to see these cultural, like what a like wildflowers. Yeah. Um, places like that. Uh, you're, you're, we're getting these people in the community. They're trying to tie in all these different. Mm-hmm. I think that's really when you start seeing a renaissance for art and yeah. food and and culture yeah and i think i think we're really on a cusp of something special yeah um we just need a couple more really hot restaurants and you know i hear it yeah. you know even anthony said it in his podcast there's too many restaurants in armory and i've had this debate with him before us so there's not enough restaurants in Armory. really because you know my street alone uh my block of walton there yeah. uh you have the corner restaurant empty and then the two right next to it empty yeah that hurts yeah that hurts yeah for you're not sure. bringing people into the into the buildings i think you know? the cha- i would agree with your statement that there there aren't enough as long as there is more diversity exactly you don't want six blue tusks exactly but yeah my favorite uh beer in town is ibu mm-hmm. right those guys are awesome yeah so we started uh selling them or giving them really our coffee from kubal uh to make their beer with you know, their beer, which it's the only beer I've ever had that actually tastes like coffee. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, making our stuff. So I said, I'm going to come out and do some film with you. And I, in my head, I'm thinking I'm just going to throw together uh, how they make our beer, you know, our, their beer coffee. 
and now it's turned into kind of like a short documentary on the local beer scene. So they invite me out to uh, their beer, you know, their brewery. It's like their uh, hop farm beer maker association meeting, you know, and Mike is saying, I would love there. There's this law that beer makers have to source 60% of their hops from New York state, right? If they're going to be a farm. Yep. So Mike's like, I would love to get, you know, to have that, that much of my hops coming, but my customers want these juicy double fucking IPAs and I can't get the right hops from New York state. So I have to go elsewhere to get get those New Zealand hops. Right. The other, and, yeah, yeah. and he's saying, I hate making this shit. I do not <laughs> want to make another IPA, but that's what everybody's drinking. So I have to do it. Do you see it on the tap list? I yeah. mean, uh, you know, we'll throw on wrench or we'll throw on, mm-hmm. you know, one of the local guys, one of their yeah. hazy IPAs, middle ages. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're gone. They're gone right. in days. You know, they're, they're yeah. they just, they lap other kegs. It's nuts. And it's, I mean, you have to follow trends, which is kind of nice about doing the, it was a little scary opening the ramen shop. One, I've never owned a ramen restaurant before. Yeah. I've never worked at a ramen <laughs> restaurant before. It's crazy, right? And, uh, you know, I, I had previously, I mean, I, I cooked a good amount of it at the Island Center. Actually, we uh, hmm. we we did a, um, a big event for 600 people, and we did a live-action ramen station. Wow. And that was crazy. Wow. Yeah. It was good practice for Taste of Syracuse, to tell yeah, you that much. Uh, but it was nuts. I mean, we did, like... I think it was a little over 500 orders of ramen wow. in like an hour and a half. Jesus. I mean, and it was a double side station. We actually, I won an award for it. Hmm. Um, it won the international um, competitions, silver spoons for like catering yeah. and corporate. That's, wow, uh, that's awesome. Catering, it was, uh, I think, best new menu station or something like that. Hmm. I, I, don't, I don't really pay much stock to that <laughs> kind of stuff, but it was kind of no, neat to be recognized for ramen. Yeah, for sure. Um, but. You know, it's, that was a scary part of opening a ramen shop is being so locked in, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, people, we've heard a bunch, you know, oh, this isn't traditional. It's, where do I claim to be traditional? Right. Like, you know, <laughs> why do we have to be traditional? And yeah. it's silly too, because if you go into any of these cities and I, you know, I've never been, but I've, I've read plenty about it and, uh, talked to people, mm-hmm. you know, we got a lot of people who lived in Japan, come into the restaurant yeah. and they, you know, it's, they laugh at those reviews and comments because it's every shop has their own take on it. Right. You know, so this tonkatsu might be a little more creamy. This one might be a little more rich. This, uh, show you is not a blend. This show you is a blend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have all these different variations. We got a lot of flack. Uh, when we first opened, I had takoyaki on the menu. <laughs> so it's uh, their traditional, traditionally they're, uh, octopus fritters. Mm-hmm. And then you make them in this little pan. It's like, uh, Almost looks like a muffin tin, but they're for balls. Okay. And you you do a layer, and then you put the octopus in, and then you finish it off, and you bake it in the oven, and it's hmm. there's these little fritters of joy yeah. with octopus <laughs> in them. But I did them my way, mm-hmm. and people freaked out. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Fine, you, and I'm gonna do it really non-traditional so i put octopus bombs on the menu it's friggin arancini like you know what you really want you want to talk about not traditional here's not traditional you know it's like but it was a little nerve-wracking being tied in because like you know i I heard from certain bankers and investors and you know people were pitching that i was pitching the idea to to is like what if it doesn't work what is your Mm -hmm. plan to pivot Mm -hmm. you're calling your restaurant kasai ramen why not just call it kasai yeah don't pigeonhole yourself and it's like I'm not 
really worried about that, <laughs> you know, which might be, we'll see in a year or two if that's stupid or not. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just really believe in it that much. And uh, mm. it's been kind of neat. And I think we're able to play with the Izakaya side of the menu too. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think nowadays you can pretty much do whatever you want. And if it's good, people are going to show up for it. Yeah. I have that, you know, discussion. A good buddy of mine, his nickname is Junkie Joe. Uh, but, you know, that's our nickname for him. But his name is Alan. And he's a stay-at-home dad. And he is, hands down, the best cook I've ever met in my life. I mean, the guy can just cook anything authentically. And tries to and puts the effort to it. And... We have the conversation all the time because he he's of the, he's from Bakersfield, California, where you can pop up a whatever, and if it's good, you'll succeed. And he always says, "It's like just give me a taco cart next to Alto, I'll shut him down." <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you just you know for him, Mexican food is like the you know this religious experience. It is, and even though Alto, I love Alto, but you know they're not claiming to be authentic Mexican right. or Mexican. Mm. So, but he's just like, I'll shut him down. I'm like, dude, it doesn't work that way, man. I no, hate to tell you, it just nope. does not There's work so much that more. way. There's so much more. Yeah. And it's funny, you you always, before I owned a restaurant, people always asked, especially at the On Center, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing these chef tables and I'm doing ramen and I'm doing shaolong bao mm-hmm. and I'm doing Mexican and all, you know, authentic Indian cuisine or Pashtun or yeah. you name it. And they're like, why don't you have your own restaurant? <laughs> you know, you, you, chefs are asked that all the time, I, yeah. you know. And it's just, there's just so much that goes into it. And some chefs don't want that. You know, it's a, it's a big risk. It's a lot of, honestly, it's, you know, it's the, it's the, uh, passion behind why I started eat local CMY three years ago. I started with a marketing company. I, you know, it sounds more you know, advanced than it was. I started with a friend of mine. We managed social media accounts for restaurants mm-hmm. and whatever, like one, one restaurant. So not plural one restaurant <laughs> Still and, a lot of work. yeah oh fuck yeah and i had it for we had we we're doing that for like three months before uh somebody approached me about buying buy local syracuse which was around at the time and uh so we started this but i had met with like a f- more than a few restaurant owners for the social media business that i would go in and i would talk to them and i would just hear the same story they cooked x really well their friends told them to open a restaurant. They got excited about it because they liked making X. So they opened a restaurant, but with zero plan or how to do it or understanding, they just quit their job, mortgaged their house, opened up in the worst location. And then nobody was coming in. And on top of that, they're getting bombarded by these vultures at like the post standard and every radio station in this town and Clipper magazine trying to get them to pay you know, $500, you know, $2,000 to run these ads that do nothing. Uh, and they're expecting it to, you know, be their, you know, windfall or, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, if there is that in other business. Cause I don't, I don't think there is. I mean, there might be, but there's this pipe dream of, I think some of it is the food network. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a blessing and a curse for for yeah. our, our profession. I know um, chef salaries went up. Yeah. Um, you stopped being looked at it like a second rate citizen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is good and bad. Uh, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse with that kind of stuff because I know a lot of people talk about that. Right. Um, but I think where it's a curse too is you have what you're talking about, where yeah. these successful lawyers or real estate bankers, whatever have you, I yeah. want to open a restaurant. 
Yeah. And you just don't really understand how hard it is. And I think the number, any owning any business is difficult, Mm -hmm. but I think why restaurants are so difficult is that it's a product that is subjective. Yeah. There is no, yes, this is good or (laughs) no, this is not good. Cause, uh, you just mentioned Alto. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'm not saying I do, but I'm just saying I could hate it and you could love it. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's good and it doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, for sure. It's just your opinion Mm -hmm. and you're not going to do anything to change that opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, not to harp on reviews, but we got a, a two star review from mm-hmm. somebody. I think it was Tuesday night and I know the table and I, <laughs> I know who they were, what their problem was, yeah. what kind of people they are. Uh, I know everything that went into this review. If yeah. you don't think I know who's in my restaurant at any right. time, given time, you're out of your mind. Yeah. I know everything that's going on in there. <laughs> There's very little things that get by me. Yeah. Uh, big thing that Tom, my GM and I preach or control the controllables. Mm-hmm. So anything we can control, we do. Yeah. Uh, but I also got probably the nicest and best compliment that I've ever received mm-hmm. in my cooking profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in the business since I was 12 years old, yeah. uh, from a table sitting directly across from them. Mm-hmm. So this guy said none of the food was cooked properly, seasoned properly. <laughs> the broth wasn't hot. It was bland. Uh, I think we've had words like hot dog water thrown out there, which is just, oh. it ma- I mean, it makes, who, who knows yeah. what hot dog water tastes right. like, everyone, but I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> you know, if you knew the money that we put into buying, sourcing bones, right. like the amount of work that I put in just to find bones that I'm happy with for mm. these broths yeah. is freaking nuts. Yeah, Just that should set you apart. But anywho, <laughs> and I don't want to go on that rant. Uh, this customer was from beijing china he's Mm. here for su yeah um and he asked the bartender is your is the restaurant ownership japanese or chinese Mm. and she she me was like oh god here we go and this is he's done his done his food at this point Mm. and uh she goes uh italian guy from philly (laughs) and he just goes huh and white italian guy from philly yeah and he goes oh can i can I talk to him? Is he here? She says, sure, I'll go get him. So she comes down. She goes, chef. I'm like, yes. Yeah. What's up, CJ? You know, uh, a customer just asked if you were Japanese or Chinese and wants to talk to you. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> like, so I, I go upstairs and, um, it's him and his girlfriend. I don't want to assume girlfriend maybe. So we'll just say him and, and, yeah. uh, and his, his dinner guest. And, um, she was kind of helped translate a little bit. His English was a little rough. Yeah. Um, and he said, uh, I wanted to meet you because I'm from Beijing. Mm. And I said, okay. And he said, I haven't had authentic Japanese or Chinese flavors like this since outside of Japan nice. or China. Wow. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> but I mean, that just goes to show you the point where yeah. I was like, this guy said that it was the most authentic tasting Asian yeah. food that he's had outside of China or <laughs> Japan. And then right next door across the table from him, there's a two star review and hot dog flavored water. And he's Irish. And yeah, I mean, it's not even about that. It's just, it's it nationality and all that doesn't even matter. I mean, it's just, it's, you know what? This guy liked my palate and that that guy didn't appreciate my palate. And, uh, you know, that's where I think some of the things were like Yelp and Google and the Mm -hmm. reviews hurt restaurants un unnecessarily. Yeah. Because you get these people that review and they think that their opinion is fact. Yeah. And it's just your opinion is never fact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's not like a banking industry or a, a manufacturing goods yeah. uh, 
where you know either your product is good or it's not it's subjective right. it's opinion based so yeah. how can you say you know yeah no i agree 100 percent. that's that's i think that's the number one uh that's a, a big a big hurdle you have to f- try and navigate as a restaurant owner yeah i wish while i hate uh i shouldn't say i hate well i i'm not a fan you know, like most restaurant owners or chefs of google and yelp and all those you know facebook reviews <clears throat> just because from the marketing standpoint i see how many people out there are just going out there and putting stuff out there just because they want to just because they're just being negative and oh, there's a lot of fake content too a hundred percent there's a ton of it hundred percent we've had uh employees of other restaurants being like look i know there's some employees yeah blasting you guys right now and they've never stepped foot in your restaurant right or you know yeah. i know there's fake accounts and you know we, that's really the only reason we kind of well again it goes back to there are things you can learn yeah you're not gonna uh yeah. please every customer and if mm-hmm. you can't learn from your mistakes then you're dead before you start yeah and like i said we're constantly every day we're obsessed with being better yeah you know i don't want there to ever be a legitimate complaint i know there's gonna be complaints but i it's the legitimate ones that get me yeah for sure you know that really like if i know that complaint is true like that's gonna eat me alive (laughs) you know uh for weeks and months and until i fix it or even sometimes when it is fixed it still just makes me my skin crawl you know (laughs) i I can't stand failure i can't stand not being the best It, it drives me nuts and also, man, I, I've been to restaurants and had a horrible experience, and there's nothing worse. Yeah. I mean, it stinks. So, yeah, you know, you don't ever, as an owner and chef, you don't ever <laughs> want that to happen. Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, it's subjective. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's crazy it's yeah. a, that those things can actually hurt you is, is wild. I don't think it does as much anymore, though. I, don't I really think... don't as much as even, like, four or five years ago. I don't think people put stock. I think word of mouth is your number, still your number one. Yeah, I think it it still is. I mean, I'll, I will I still as much as I discredit them for businesses that I work for, I still go and check them out for business or places I'm going to do business. But <clears throat> I don't take there's certain people I know to take their opinion pretty seriously about food and you know, I don't know if the collective on, you know, Yelp and those kind of things are, you know, if I'm going to look at a business and check out the reviews like that to make a decision. I'm going to look and see what kind of the, I'll go through a bunch of them and see what the common theme is. Mm. Um, but it's why, you know, Cody and I talked about it on the podcast. It's why I want a legit food critic in this town. There aren't any, there's reviewers. You know, I just unfortunately saw somebody, you know, the advanced media was just doing their best fish fry. Thank God they chose Doug's. Uh, although I do love the fish fryer, but Doug's is, the best. And uh, this person who was doing the article, the, 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 their title was something slash food critic. And I just thought that's the worst possible thing that I've ever seen uh, come out of this town for food is that that person called themselves a food critic because there just aren't any. And I do think that legit food critic, good or bad, would do this town a lot of good. Well, again, I think that I think we'll see that when we keep growing the diversity. Yes. I mean, what's a food critic going to do right now? Uh, even six months ago. Yeah. Before Kasai, before Defee. Yeah. Before any of the other. Yeah, for sure. Good restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, would it, would, how many, yeah. How many of the same menu are you going to right. review? I mean, yeah. Well, I'm not going to take up any more of your time, man. Yeah, Thanks gotta, so much. Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure having it. you. Well, there it is. I hope that you enjoyed uh, listening to the podcast as much as I 
enjoyed sitting down and talking to Kyle. If you haven't already, head over to Kasai Ramen. It's so important to support local businesses here in Syracuse and Central New York. And so make sure you head down to Kasai Ramen. Tell them that you heard about them on the podcast. You can head over to Instagram or Facebook. Give them a follow. Find them on their website. Uh, they're open such crazy hours from 11 to like 3 in the morning on the weekends. So you have so many opportunities to get down there and get a delicious bowl of ramen and a nice beer. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button for the podcast and leave us a review. We're going to catch you next time on the Eat Local CMY podcast.